So this morning, uh, we get the joy of a covenant baptism. And uh, so let me explain, explain what we're going to do. Uh, Russell and Jen Foxworth, their sweet little baby Sarah, is going to be baptized. But since we are in America at this point in history, it's necessary that I explain exactly what we're doing and we're not doing and why we're doing it. Uh, many of you might know the covenant sign of the new covenant is baptism. That's not a surprise to anyone. But the question is, what does it represent? Why water? Why do we put water on someone? Well, this is a picture of, of cleansing, right? You do this when you take a shower, right? You use water to wash your hands, everything else. And so it's a picture. What, what's being cleansed? Well, normally when you're washing, you're washing dirt off your hands, right, kids? Well, this is a picture of Christ washing away your sins, Okay, so now you're thinking, why in the world would we apply that to a little baby? Does Sarah have any faith? Uh, she didn't nod, so no, I don't. No, she doesn't, she has no clue what's going on. So why are we doing this? That's a question in many of your minds. I know we're in America, I know the age, and I do this every time we baptize a baby, because I get it. I understand the challenges we face. It's fine if you hold some other view, but at least want you to understand why would anyone in the right mind not only fast, but baptize a baby? So in order for this to make any sense, we're going to have to go back to the Old Testament. You might know in the Old Testament, there's an old covenant God made with Abraham. What was the sign of that covenant? It was circumcision. Circumcision was a picture of the cutting away of sins. Okay, so we have an old covenant sign of the cutting away of sins and a new covenant sign of the washing away of sins. Same kind of picture, right? And so it was given to Abraham, man of faith. We read this in Genesis 15, 16. And he, being Abraham, believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness, right? He had faith. And so it made sense that he would receive this sign, right? The sign of circumcision is a picture of his sins being cut away. No surprise, right? Here's the surprise, God said, apply it to all your children. Well, now that's odd. Ishmael? No, Ishmael, you know who, who um, finds their lineage with Ishmael? Muslims, Islamics. They find it with, with Ishmael. And you know who received the, the covenant sign of circumcision? Ishmael. Okay, now we got some oddity happening. Why would God apply this sign? Of course, Abraham makes complete sense. A picture of his sins being taken away. Why would we with Ishmael. Well, there's a verse in the New Testament that helps us with this. Romans 4.11. This is my favorite verse on the topic. Romans 4.11 says this. The whole paragraph, if you were to read it, is all about Abraham. It's talking about Abraham's faith, looking at it. And then verse 11 says this. He being Abraham, received the sign of circumcision, listen to this, as a seal of the righteousness he had by faith before he was circumcised. Okay, here's why that's profound. It might not seem profound, but I'll hopefully help you see why it is. Many people will say about circumcision, they say, oh yeah, that's fine. They put it on the children. It was a national, a national boundary marker. Are they right? Yes. Jews all got circumcised. It was a boundary marker. But was it only that? No. This verse says clearly, it was a seal of the righteousness he had. Okay? So the seal of the righteousness Abraham had by faith was circumcision. So you see the problem when we imply that spiritual sign to little Ishmael. Do you, are you following the logic? We have a problem because we have a spiritual sign applied to someone who's not spiritual and he's not going to grow up to be spiritual. Or he's going to grow up to be an enemy of the people of God. What you see here is continuity. In order to understand this, and this actually 
For about 10 years, I was very confused on this and actually held to believer's baptism. That's a whole other story. Ask me about that. I get it because I held it for a long time. But what I was missing was the continuity from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The only way you're going to understand what we're about to do to little Sarah is you have to understand the Old Testament. The Old Testament sign was both spiritual as well as a boundary marker. It was applied to him. Okay, so imagine with me for a second. I've, I've used this analogy before, but it's the best I know, so you get it again. That um, you're a first century Jew. Okay, we're all in the first century. We're very faithful Jews. We've been applying the sign of the covenant to us and our children for generation after generation, okay? And so all of a sudden, someone comes and preaches the gospel to us. And I hear the gospel for the first time. And I believe. And they tell me, you know, we have a new covenant with a new sign. I said, it's great. Okay, so who am I expecting to get to apply this sign to? Think about that for a second. I'm a Jew in the first century. I'm a faithful Jew. I've been faithful for generations. Who am I going to expect this sign is going to be applied to? Just me and my wife? No, my kids too. They've always been included in the covenant. Are you following my logic? So always included. So in the first century, he would say, yes. Okay, so here's a key thing. The burden of proof always lies on the change. Let me say that again. The burden of proof always lies on the change. Let me give you an example. Um, I, I see none of you brought sheep this morning. So in the Old Testament, there was animal sacrifices. Now, all of you seem very confident that you don't need an animal to put your sins on and slaughter. Now, why are you so confident of this? Well, the New Testament goes at great lengths to tell you you don't need to do this anymore. We have a change in the New Covenant, Right? But Hebrews does this great. Jesus is the once for all sacrifice. The burden of proof is on the change. And so any changes you see in the New Testament from the Old Testament, we have lots and lots of explanation. So let's look at baptism. Does the New Testament talk about a lot who the right um, recipients of baptism are? No, it's, it's nearly silent on it because there was no change. See, because I'm in America, this is the irony of this is, who's the one talking right now giving a defense for it? The guy who's saying there's no change because I'm in America and I get it, right? So if I, in, if I go down the street, they give no explanation because this is what everyone's doing in America. We all baptize believers in America. And I was in that for 10 years. And so this is an explanation of how the continuity, because I want you to understand, Sarah, what we're about to do to you and what we're not doing, right? This is not saving her, okay? So this is an issue. Think about that for a second. This is a picture of washing away sins. Am I going to wash away her original sins? Is, is she now saved? Is she going to heaven now? Right? Some people who do infant baptisms believe that, and they're wrong. Right? No, I can't wash away sins. Salvation is only by what? It starts with an F. Faith. It's only by faith. Sarah has to have faith like her parents do. So again, why? And so think about the Old Testament. Why would this sign be placed on Ishmael, on Sarah now? It is because God made covenant with his people. She is part of the visible church. Ishmael was part of the visible church. All the Jews were. They get covenant blessings. It does not include salvation. That comes by faith. Okay? And so she's part of the family. And we treat her as such. And so she's going to receive this sign. It's not going to save her. But it is a picture of what we're trusting will happen later. Okay, Sarah? We're trusting that later you will place your faith in Christ. Okay, so remember I said the New Testament is largely silent. What do you find? Um, Peter at Pentecost, he gave a sermon. Listen to this verse from his sermon. Um, Acts 2, verse 39. For the promise is for you and for your children. Well, that's interesting. 
Peter just said, the promise is for you and your children. This is the New Testament. It shouldn't surprise us. For all who, are, and, and all who are far off, everyone who the Lord God calls to himself. So those who received the word were baptized. There were added to the day 3,000 souls. And so if you look, you see this. You also see household baptisms. You see two in Acts 16, um, the house, uh, no, Lydia's household and the Philippian jailer. You see the household of Stephanus in 1 Corinthians 1. But you don't have lots of explanation. And this is why. Because of the continuity to the Old Testament. What I missed, I studied this very thoroughly and thought that believer's baptism was right because I didn't understand the Old Testament. If you don't understand the Old Testament, you cannot understand the New Testament. That's true on all kinds of levels. If you do not understand the Old Testament, you cannot understand the New Testament. This is one of the things it's true of. And so Peter says, it's for you and your children. God said to Abraham, listen how similar, in Genesis 17, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. So you see the continuity. The covenant was for him and his offspring. The covenant is the promises are for you and your children. And praise God they are. So one thing um, that is easy to do with this is that I, that I only talk about the theology of it. And I miss the blessing of it. So I want to speak for a moment about the blessing of it. It's an incredible blessing for you, Russell and Jen. We talked about this last Sunday night. And so you, I'm reminding you guys and sharing it with all of you. Um, there's two sides of the blessing of this. First for you guys as parents, and then for you, little Sarah. So first to you guys as parents. This actually takes a lot of pressure off of you. Because of the way God operates with the covenant blessing is that you don't have to anxiously wait and say, you know, can I, can I apply this sign now? You, you need to, you need to um, be converted. Now, your household, the gospel permeates all aspects of it, right? And so what we're doing today is marking her as belonging to God and that, Lord willing, she will be a covenant keeper as she grows up. But it, think about it. Um, Sarah is a passive um, participant, isn't she? This is all about God. You serve a God who is a covenant-making and keeping God. God has been pursuing us while we're yet sinners. Ephesians 2 says this. While we were dead in our sins, Christ came after us. This is a perfect picture of the gospel. This can't be about anything Sarah's done. She's done nothing yet. She has no faith. She has no understanding. This is a picture of what God is doing. Your confidence in your children's salvation, though you, will, you should and will share the gospel with them, is in God. God marks out his people and he saves customarily all of his covenant children. Though that she must make a decision, she must believe as God regenerates inside of her. So this should be a comfort to you, a great hope to you. Now, Sarah, I want to speak to you for a moment. Now, Sarah, since you have no idea what I'm saying, we're videotaping this. So Sarah, in five or ten years when you're watching this, this is a blessing for you. This day, I want you to look back on this day because on this day, a covenant sign was applied to you that you, you had no choice and you had no understanding of and it is a reminder because some days you're going to feel like a lousy person. This is much past 10 years old. It's true of all of us, isn't it? Don't some days you feel like, how can I be a Christian? How could God love a sinner like me? What you need to remember is that God is the pursuer. God has been pursuing you from before you were aware of anything when you were dead in your sins. And this is a picture of this. And so Sarah, you can look back on this moment as you are becoming a covenant keeper 
It is not because of anything in you. It is because of what God is doing in you through the faithful work of your parents. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Sarah, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Steadfast love is something about the covenant love of God. It endures forever. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, not us, but his. The Lord is faithful. He is always faithful. He will never fail any of us. This is a picture of that. It is a picture that he is in the business of starting things, and then he finishes them. Praise God for it. This should be a great comfort to both you guys as parents, and you and all of you covenant children, and all of you who are believers. The primary mover in your Christian life is not you. It is God. Uh, with those uh, first sermon, uh, let me invite up uh, Russell and Jen, and your whole family are welcome to join them. You can hold her for just a minute. Hey, guys. This is fun. You get to see your sister be baptized. All right, well, there's some questions I'm going to ask you guys. that We've already gone over these, so there are no surprises. But I, I want to remind you again um, of the wonderful covenant promises in Scripture uh, for you and your children. Uh, it says, for the promises for you and for your children and for all those who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you as an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, both you and your household, Scripture says. So uh, if you'll answer with we do uh, to these questions, uh, do you acknowledge your child's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? We do. do you claim God's covenant promises on her behalf? And do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do your own? We do. do you now unreservedly dedicate your child to God and promise in humble reliance upon divine grace that you will endeavor to set before her a godly example that you will pray with and for her, that you will teach her the doctrines of our holy religion, and that you will strive by all the means of God's appointment to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, you guys get to participate as well. So if you're a member of Hope Community Church, you've joined our church, please stand up and I have one question for you. And if you'll answer together with we do afterwards, do you as a congregation undertake the responsibility of assisting the parents in the Christian nurture of this child? Great, and you may be seated. <clears throat> um, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, Lord, this is all your idea. We would never come up with this that you would place covenant signs not only on believers but on their children, that you would mark out a picture of something that hasn't even happened yet. Lord, just as you elected before the foundation of the earth, so you place this sign on children and say, she belongs to me. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for the honor and the faith of this family. Lord, we now um, apply this sign of the covenant um, by faith in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. 
Amen. Hey, little Sarah. Hi. Sarah Margaret Foxworth, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, Russell and Jen have brought their child. And in picture, they've given her to you. Lord, they're trusting you to do what only you can do. I have placed the covenant sign on her, as I understand from Scripture, that I am to do. But Lord, you must do the work. You must make it come to pass that she would place her faith in you. Lord, I pray that she would. I pray that she would not remember a day that she didn't, you weren't her God. At a very young age, she'd place her faith in you. She'd come to understand her sins and her need for a Savior and your great love for her. Lord, thank you that you love her even now, even before she understands anything, just as her parents do. Father, I pray for little Sarah Margaret Foxworth. Lord, that she would not be deceived by this world. Lord, a world that promises life and steals life. Promises fulfillment and steals it. Promises joy and gives none. Lord, I pray, Jeremiah 2.13, over this young girl. You say, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And they've dug, dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Lord, I pray that she may not dig her own cisterns. That she would not put her hope and her trust in the things and the relationships of this world to give her fulfillment and identity and joy but she may find that only in you, the spring of living water. Lord, I pray for this family and this church that, Lord, I know they really meant what they promised. I pray that you'd help them in the long work of parenting and being a church to this young child. Lord, I pray that they would all be a family to her. Lord, we consecrate this life to you. Lord, we pray for her in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.